Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. So... At the beginning, um, so my story is predominantly about my journey with my daughter, Sarah, who is here today with her little bub, Isaac. And I just need you to know that Sarah's given me permission to share her story. Um, And I share it every opportunity I can get because it is such an amazing story of redemption. And I'm going to need these tissues because it obviously is something that we have lived. When I stop, that means the tears are about to come. And I know someone told me once you put your tongue on the roof of your mouth and it stops you from crying. I don't know if that works or not, but I'm going to give it a go today. Um, so obviously we have, we have lived this journey together. And so it's profoundly personal and in many ways painful, but also wonderful. So, um, so Sarah was actually, she's our firstborn, and she was born three months premature. So at, uh, early on in the pregnancy, I got very sick, and the doctors didn't pick it up, and so went in for an emergency cesarean at 27 weeks. Sarah was 735 grams. So very, very small, and we were only given a 50% chance of her living. The fact that she was female gave her a higher percentage chance of living. So go women. That's because we're just so much stronger. It seriously is. <laughs> and, um, and the reason why I'm sharing this is because it's very connected to what she went through later on in her life. Um, a lot of micro-premies, as they're called do end up having trouble in their teenage years because they're coming out of the womb just far too early and they're getting put on a slab. It's not a real slab. It's like this open humidity crib. And um, they're not not going through um, all the squishing that happens inside of the mother's tummy that developmentally it affects them. Um, And during that time, we didn't know if Sarah would live and... uh, And this also impacted how we handled it when we went through difficult times later on because Sarah, um, because we were given promises by God. And so when David was, sorry, when David was driving to the hospital, uh, and I was already in the hospital to have the cesarean, David said to God, so in 10 years' time, are we going to be um, commemorating the birth of our, of our child who died? And God said to him, no, in 10 years' time, you will be celebrating her 10th birthday. So we knew without a doubt she was going to live. And when I was pregnant with her, God had given us a promise that she would bring thousands to know Jesus. So I just kept saying to God, well, she, that can't happen if she dies. And, um, and, and so she, miracle after miracle, she, a massive brain hemorrhage was healed completely with God's hand. The doctors were amazed. Three months later, we took her home 
Uh, she was on oxygen for an extra month beyond that. Very, very little child. And uh, I remember I have an image of her sitting, I had her sitting in the beanbag, this tiny little baby, because she was even small. She always was small, you know, she just never caught up. And, um, and I had a worship song playing, and it's in his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. And I remembered looking at her and being so profoundly touched by that song and years later, it would be that song that I would, that worship song I would hold on to. And, um, and so she was a very sensitive child, um, very clingy to mummy, always wanted to be beside me. And her size, because she was so tiny, I think it impacted her confidence too. Um, and so that was the, the beginning. So she had a very difficult beginning. Yeah, sounds like it. Difficult for everyone, not just for her. That's yeah. quite a lot to yes. go through as a yes. mom. Yeah. So when did you notice something was wrong later? Yeah, so um, when, when she started high school, she started getting bullied. Um, and you'd think at a Christian school that's not going to happen, but that's just not right. Uh, kids are kids. And... Um, and she was profoundly bullied and she didn't want me to be involved, which made it really hard. I was teaching in the primary school and she just felt that she wanted to deal with it on her own, but she wasn't dealing with it. Um, and then I started noticing around grade 10, she just started crying a lot, grade 10, grade 11. She just seemed to be going into this hole and starting to withdraw from us. And I remember one day I was walking through the school and I saw her sitting outside her classroom, just sitting there crying. And the teacher said that, oh, this is what she does. It's like, seriously, you didn't think to tell me that this is what my daughter does. So I think there was a lack of understanding. We're talking a long time ago, 20 years ago. There was a lack of understanding about depression. Um, she started cutting herself, which I had never heard of before. Um, she would wear these, you know, jumpers to hide these cuts, which of course I didn't know. And um, and she told me the cat had scratched her, and and then I got suspicious and discovered this. And so, you know, with the crying and everything, I just started to realise there's something really wrong here. Um, and so then we sought counselling for Sarah. Um, she went on antidepressants, which, which did help a little bit. Um, obviously, as Christians, you know, we, we were trying to emphasise to her, you know, how much God loves her. And, but it was like a wall had developed around her. It's like she started blocking God out um, from that part of her. And, uh, and then we discovered that she had been meeting up with some fellow on when she was walking and started smoking marijuana, I suppose, to drown out the discomfort that she was experiencing. And so it, um, it just continued on from there. Um, when she finished high school, um, during this time also, she started showing interest in things that you don't want your kids to show interest in. It's like she started giving up on herself, on having big dreams for herself. Her dreams were not so big. They were quite sad and, 
And, and I'd, I'd always had this belief that you learn from people around you, you know, like I'd never touched drugs as a kid. I'd never even put a cigarette in my mouth. I think I'd had a half a glass of beer. So we, we were complete opposites. So I had no idea what she was going through. And, um, and I just kept saying to her, well, you know, trying to help her, giving her advice, you know, learn from other people's experiences. And she'd say to me, oh, but mum, I have to learn things the hard way. It was like, that is not what you want to hear your daughter say. You want to hear them say, oh, I learned from others' experiences. Here, read a book, learn from this. But no, she, she needed to go on the journey she needed to go on and there was nothing that we could do to stop that from happening. And so she, um, she, when she left home after high school, she made it clear to us that not only was she leaving school, she was leaving God, she was leaving the church, she was leaving um, everything that we held true and, um, and then the path just got worse and worse, you know, moved in with a fellow who was very broken and they were taking a lot of drugs together, drinking a lot of alcohol um, and it just spiralled. A deep, deep, deep spiral until eventually she um, uh, she ended up taking ice, becoming addicted to ice. Um, yeah, very sad. Yeah. And were you aware of kind of the path that she had gone down? How much were you aware of at that point? Um, so we knew she had always been quite moody with the depression, uh, you know, quite up and down. And so we would think, oh, is she taking something? Um, you know, and we didn't know anything about drugs. Like, you know, people mentioned drugs. It was like we knew nothing. And, uh, and I think that part of you uh, goes into a denial. You don't want to ever go down, uh, how bad can this be? Mm. Um, so I had never actually considered that she was taking a, something like ice. I thought maybe smoking pot and taking some other stuff. I didn't know. Um, and, yeah, we didn't discover until much later that it was actually ice. Um, yeah, so. And how did it affect you and Dave and your family when mm. you became aware of, mm. of what was going on with her? So, so, when, so when she was younger and living at home and it started getting really bad, um, it, it affected the family and this is why she ended up having to leave home because it impacted my three other children, three younger children. And they, Sarah was starting to act out in very odd ways, which, you know, becoming very angry. And this was all coming from a deep brokenness. It wasn't that this is who she was as a human being, she's a beautiful person. She's actually one of the most beautiful people I know. Um, the loveliest, kindest, and I think in some ways this is why she ended up, she gets, got so hurt with life. Um, but uh, yeah, so she, you know, she wasn't treating her siblings very well. So in the end we, you know, we all decided it would be best, you know, because it was impacting, not so much, it, like it was impacting me and Dave, but our children, we had to think of our other children as well. We couldn't put one child before the other. Um, Dave, we were talking about this. Um, 
Dave handled it quite differently from me. I like to confront things head on. Let's just get in there and get this dealt with. You know, uh, I don't mind a bit of confrontation if it means some good's going to come from it. Dave is a non-confrontationalist, so he just wanted to run away. This was just all too hard. And, um, and you may have had experiences like that where you just want to run away from them. They're just too hard to deal with. And because obviously we were praying, we were trusting that God was going to heal her, but the years were ticking over and nothing was changing. If anything, she was getting worse. With every year, she just... You know, and, and we obviously kept trying to talk to her about God because this is where, you know, and, and the promises in the Bible that you bring up your children in the ways of God, they won't depart from it. Well, she was departing from it and not just in a little way, it was massive. And so we, um, you know, we would, I, me mainly, because Dave was not wanting to deal with it, so mainly me, I was trying to get her to see the light, you know, come on, you know, you can do this and, you know, God's still there and God loves you and um, unfortunately, though, um, the way I was dealing with it, um, and this is my greatest regret, sorry, <laughs> this is a hard bit to talk about, um, I was trying to fix her, you can imagine, as a mum, with a very, very, very broken child. I was doing everything to try and fix this child. And in doing that, I felt I needed to point out what she was doing wrong and how she could remedy that. Um, but Sarah was just such a beautiful, soft person that all she saw was judgment. So she didn't sense my love. Um, she just saw her mum saying, you're being like this, you need to be like that or I won't love you. Mm. And so it, it was more that um, my judgment made her feel unaccepted and it brought nothing good. Mm. It didn't fix her at all. All she felt was unloved and unaccepted. And so clearly what I was doing wasn't working but I was unaware that what I was doing wasn't the right way. I, to me, it just seemed so obvious. You point out what they're doing wrong and you help them to see the light and then they change and then they get better. But that wasn't working. If anything, she was... Even though we would see each other all the time, I knew there was something deeply wrong and I knew she wanted to tell me, but she couldn't because she was so full of shame... Um, and her mum was so judgmental that um, what good could, could that, you know, lead to if she was to openly tell me the problems she was having? Mm. So our relationship was, had a level to it, you know. So it was, a, you know, how's the weather and how's work and how's... Because during this time she managed to study and I don't know how she managed to do th the things she did, but she did. Um, but it... When it came to the deep stuff, I knew that there was something else going on. And during this time, she also had two children to this fellow who she was with. And so that complicated things further because we weren't just dealing with um, her struggles, but it was impacting her children as well. She, she eventually left this fellow, which was really good because they just were not good for each other. And um, yes, so... 
Yeah, we hit a wall, basically. Yeah. How did you pray through that time as a believer? And um, I guess what are the things that God was speaking to you through your mm. prayer mm. life as you walked through that season? So I suppose if any of you have been through a difficult time, you, you pray about it and you bring it to God and God promises that he's going to answer his, our prayers. Um, but he wasn't. And so we kept praying, obviously, but we started losing hope. And, um, and when you lose hope and you're not trusting, well, for me, I started acting out of fear. And I think that's where the judgment came from. I was just so terrified of what I was witnessing. I already had gone through something similar with my sister who ended up dying at 22 because of the lifestyle she'd chosen. So for me, I needed to stop this. I need to, to fix it. And even I just kept praying through it. But I can't say I was some amazing prayer warrior. I wish I could say that. Like I prayed... Um, but you start losing hope that this prayer is going to be answered because you just the years and years and years go on. And, um, and so I suppose that's why I felt I needed to take things into my own hands. Mm -hmm. And so we would do things like um, to try and get her back to church. You know, you, you just you grasp at straws. And so, you know, she loved coming out to lunch with us and so, because and she had no money because probably she was spending it on other things. Um, I'd say, oh, how about you come to church and then we can go to lunch after, you know. And she, she knew what I was doing. And she'd come to church and she'd absolutely hate it. It was, it was like it traumatised her being in with all these people who were so happy and singing and smiling and believing in God and, you know, and it was the opposite of what she wanted to be around. She, she just didn't see God like that. And so in the end, we stopped doing that because we could see that wasn't working. Um, what else did we try? You know, we kept inviting her to family things and everything that we could possibly do in the flesh. But what she needed was God's deep... You know, I, I, I image a scalpel getting in there. God knew the deep problems that were, you know, because the, these problems are what feeds people to want to take drugs and other things. They're, they're trying to fix themselves and yet they can't. These things will never fix them. But they can't see any other way. Without God, there is no hope. And she had turned away from God. So there was that hope gone. Um, and so, but we had to just keep holding on to that hope because if you don't hope in him, then you might as well just go and jump off a bridge, you know, not that I'm condoning that, but it, um, you've got to have your hope in God, like where else can hope come from? And, uh, and so the wonderful thing is God did do amazing things for Sarah's here today, and so that's amazing. Did you and Dave find ways to work together um, and pray together as you went through this? Or you kind of stuck in those roles of you're praying and he's trying to avoid conflict? Yeah, and... probably like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I could say that we were this amazing praying couple, praying together. And um, 
You know what? I think it was our relationships with God weren't so great either. Like we believed in God. We were definitely Christians. But um, it actually took um, a work of God in both of our hearts independently for things to change. Because mm. we're talking years of, are going on here. Mm. Sarah's had two children and, you know, she's 25, 26 years old. The children are now coming to the school I'm teaching at. I'm starting to see, because I'm seeing them more often, I'm starting to see that these kids, there's something more going on here. These kids, you know, you start picking it up as a teacher, as a parent. I knew there was something else going on and I would try to address it with Sarah, but she wouldn't open up to me, obviously, because she thought all she was going to get was judgment, mm. which is probably all she would have gotten. Um, love, lots of love. I did love her. Don't think I was... I loved her, but I wanted to fix her because because God hadn't answered our prayers, and so I had to fix her. And, um, and then about six, seven years ago, David and I independently went through this amazing... Uh, refreshing of our relationships with God, and and uh, and He spoke to us both. It was it was quite amazing. He spoke into my heart about how I hadn't put Him central for a long time. I put so many other things. Fear was really right in there. That was central. Fear ruled my life, as well as many other things ruled. You know, rather than Him being my centre. And, um, and I, I'm not sure for David what God said into his heart, but it was clear God was doing something in both of us. And, um, and for me personally, as God started um, renewing this relationship I had with him, he, I liken it to he started going through the rooms of my house. That, that's in my heart. And one of these rooms he decided to speak into was judgment. And so we we're at, um, so by about 28 years old, Sarah had decided that she was ready to start, you know, she started going to counsellors and because she had two children and she was getting older, she really started to see that she needed help, which was really good when you're going to a counsellor. You've got to see that you need help, otherwise you don't interact with the counsellor. And, um, and so she'd also started attending this place on the south, south side called Hope Foundation, which is for women who are caught in brokenness. So whether it's addiction, whatever it is. And so the whole family was at a fundraiser um, for this. And we were all sitting there. Sarah's up on the stage singing a song with these women. And, um, and God chose that moment to uh, speak into my heart about one of these areas of my life that it was time to fix up. And he said to me, um, he said to me while I was watching her, do you know how judgmental you've been of that girl? And I had never seen it like that. If he hadn't shown me, I would still be that person today. Um, I'd never seen it like that. I'd I was just trying to fix her, my broken, beautiful girl. I wanted her, I wanted her back to wholeness. Um, but when God speaks into your heart, it just, there's no questioning. There's no, I don't understand what you're talking about, God. It's so clear. He just, he just shines a light and it's not harsh. 
and horrible at all, but it was a horrible moment for me. Because to see that my judgment, instead of her receiving my help in love, all she had seen was judgment. And nobody is healed through judgment. Mm. And, um, and so in that moment, I was just weeping and weeping as I was repenting. Because I could see it so clearly, not just of my daughter, but pretty well everyone that came into my world was judged. Di was on the throne and they got judged according to the rules of Di. Um, I was like that from a child. I don't ever remember not being like that. And, um, and, but seeing that I could possibly, I could possibly have made my daughter's condition worse broke me. And uh, anyway, so anyone watching in that room would have thought, oh, she's crying because her daughter's up on stage and little did they know I was going through this major transformation. And it was major. It, God was in there with the scalpel just digging out that judgment. And uh, so it hurts, but it's freeing. It is so freeing. So don't be scared when God comes to you like that. Embrace it. Ask for it. Because we all have stuff. And I think we continue to have stuff till the day we drop dead. Mm. Embrace it. Ask for it. It will hurt, but it will be the best thing. Mm. And so we're, we're driving home with Sarah and we get home and I said to her, I have to apologise for something God's shown me. And it was terrible. And, uh, you know, she's so beautiful. Um, I expected her to be a bit surprised when, to, when I said that God has shown me how judgmental I've been of you, but she wasn't. And that also <laughs> shocked me because it was, wow, she has seen this and has never once said to me, do you know you judge me? She never said that to me. My other kids would have said that, but Sarah's not like that. She never wanted to disappoint me. And when I said to her, I've apologised, she just hugged me and told me she forgave me. And yet that had caused so much damage and that's what makes me cry today. I have, you know, God has given me a lot of healing in that area, but I still, you know, our sin has consequences and that was one of the consequences. And, um, and so... Everything changed from that moment. It was, it was amazing. It was like we would meet up after that and she'd test me. Like she'd say a little thing just to see, am I going to get judged over this? Mm. And there would be none. And that was a miraculous thing for me. It was supernatural for me not to judge her. It was just such a go-to for me. And, um, and so then after a while... She really started opening up, uh, not about the drugs, unfortunately, but about lots of other things. She started letting me into her world. And, uh, and so I can see now that God needed to do, you know, because I kept praying for God to change Sarah. God, you've got to change her. Mm. Little did I know that God was saying, actually, die. I need to change you first before I can change her. Your change has to come before her change can come. 
And so God's timing, when, when you're praying for something, it's, I know it's hard. I know it's hard when you see no answer to that prayer. But his timing is perfect. When I had her on that, on that um, beanbag and that song, in his time, his time is perfect. Little did I know how much that would be tested in me. And so it was not long after that that we accidentally discovered that she was addicted to ice. And um, but God, because God has done this beautiful thing in me, if I'd found that out a year earlier, I would have gone over there and yelled at her and screamed at her and, how can you do this to your kids? And David would have run away um, that, because that was our different ways of dealing with it. But, yeah... <laughs> It's just different people, that's all. We're all different. I would, I would have wanted to confront it and David would have just wanted to leave it. And, um, but because God had done this and was in the process of doing this amazing thing in us, we drove to her house and said, we need to talk to you. And, um, and we told her that we had unintentionally, accidentally found out that it was ice she was addicted to. And God is so good. No, not only was it our perfect timing, but it was God's perfect timing. Because she just looked at her, us. There was no defence. And she said, she was crying, and she said, I have wanted to tell you that for the longest time, but I didn't want to disappoint you. And I need your help. I do need your help. And so... It was, God's timing is so wonderful. And so then we were able to come up with a plan. By this time, she had, she had started going back to church, but was still struggling just to, because these, these um, dealers are like horrendous. They would come to the house and come after her. You know, you hear about this in movies, but you don't think this is real. Well, I didn't think so, but it is. This is really what happens out there. And I need to also add, I was saying to Dave how my sister was a drug addict and I had always blamed my parents. I thought, you were just the most not good parents. <laughs> There's an adjective for that, which I won't say because they're children. Um, and I always blamed my parents for my sisters where she ended up and then it happened to us. And we had brought up Sarah in a beautiful, godly, Christian, loving home. That girl could not have been more loved. And yet, it happened to us. So that was something I had to deal with. Had to, I had to, in my mind, forgive my parents. Well, not forgive them, but I had to come to a place where I could see my judgment of them. And... Um, and you may, you, this may remind you of things in your life where you have judged your parents or judged somebody. And I tell you, you cannot be the judge. God is the only one who can be the judge. And I know we, we all do it. We don't mean to do it. But we sit on that throne that we've created and we judge things that people have done to us. And Dave was saying one of the things that he had struggled with, with was that Sarah had left um, everything that we had taught her to hold on to about God and morals. And, and so, you know, David, that was his hardest thing to deal with. Where for me, it was more 
judging how can you do this to yourself? How can you do this to your body? How can you do this to your children? And in doing that, I was judging her. And, and God started saying to me, Di, I'm the only judge because I'm perfect. I'm holy. You're not perfect and holy, Di. I know you think you are, but you're not. <laughs> and so he is the only judge. And so our judgment is always... it's. It doesn't do anything good, let me put it that way. It, it doesn't bring redemption. Mm. Only God's judgment brings redemption, but then he comes to us in grace and mercy. It's so differently to what I was going to Sarah with. Yeah. Now, obviously, she's in a very different place yes. in life now. Did you want to say anything oh, more about absolutely. that? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So that was the big turnaround when we discovered that that about Sarah's addiction and then we were able to start helping her. We helped her with the kids and helped her learn how to be a mum. She went to all NA and AA. She was committed once she made that decision. And not only that, but God was healing her heart because like I said, this is coming from a deep, deep place of brokenness and he was helping her to see how beautiful she is. Makes it hard having her here and looking at her. Um, but we've talked about this a lot. And, uh, and he brought such healing and redemption. And, um, and my beautiful Sarah was coming back home to me. Um, you know, she, she used to wear just dark clothes and dye her hair dark. And suddenly she was letting her hair go light again and wearing colourful, beautiful clothes. It was all an outworking of what was going on inside of her. And then she ended up, um, she's a nurse, uh, and she ended up going into mental health nursing because she really wanted to help people who are going through the same struggles that she has gone with. And I tell you, you would not get a less judgmental person on the face of the planet to do that job. You know, and that's what they need. They need someone not sitting in over on judgment over them. They need people who are going to love them. And, uh, and I think for me that was one of the main things I've learnt about, you know, when your children are younger, it's different. But when they get older, um, you have no control. And to think you do is you're kidding yourself because you have no control. And you pray that they will go down the right way. Um, but in trying to control Sarah, in, out of fear, I was not loving her. And so God was showing me to hold her lightly, because he is hers after all, and he had this, um, but love her deeply and fully, um, because that was the only thing that was really going to help her, was for me to love her fully, and like anybody in our lives, just to love them deeply. I was going to ask you if you had any advice for parents of us who are a lot further back on the journey, um, how to, um, advice for how to go through difficult situations with our kids. I feel like you've already downloaded so much wisdom already, but if you have any, anything else you want to add in there? Um, it's hard to remember when they're little, but, you know, because it's so different when they're little. You are teaching them you're in that teaching mode mentoring and loving and constantly um, directing them 
And, and so I think, you know, there's that, that verse, uh, Proverbs 22.6, about raising your children in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. Um, and so, you know, I always read the Bible with Sarah. I always prayed with... Yeah, this, we did this with all our children. We prayed with them every night, read the Bible to them, um, constantly um, helped them to see how loved they are by God and um, and so I do think that when they're older, even if they choose to go a different way for a little while, it is still there. It never leaves. It's still there, and um, and just and you know leaning into that into God for your children, just constantly seeking His wisdom because. They're also different. You might have four children who've both come from you, but they're also different. So, but God knows their heart. He knows what's He knows what's happening inside of them. He knows if there's any brokenness occurring, and just to ask God to give you wisdom in that. And then later on, if if things do happen, it's you can trust Him. You can. From go to woe, this all went for fourteen years. We were praying for Sarah until she was completely free and she's been free now for like five years and and just doing amazingly and has gotten married to a wonderful guy and they've got a, a new little bub who she's holding now. And, um, and to see her now, she's so free. And out of all of my four children, she is the one I can have the deepest spiritual conversations with. She gets it. She's been there. She's been in the in those dark places. She appreciates God. I think it's more that she knows God, you know, where and all of our children, we can bring them up as Christians, but at the end of the day, it will be their choice. You know, if if, if they've got to have their moment with God. And uh, and I'm seeing that with my other children now. You know, I cannot assume and I respect that now. I have learned to respect wherever they're at with God, not to judge, to love, um, and trust God. Because if I'm not, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not trusting Him that He's got it. Because I feel like I've got to control it, but I don't. He's so much bigger. He's so much bigger. You know, He's got it. He's got it in His hands, and I can trust that. Doesn't mean I'm always happy about things, but I've learned to trust Him. Um, I just think that your story is an amazing testimony of the faithfulness and redemptiveness, that's probably not a word, the redemption of God. Um, And I love that it's not just about that God brought redemption in Sarah's life, but also that as you waited on him and trusted on him and walked through the process, he also brought redemption into your life, um, specifically with this issue of judgment that you were talking about and um, that he redeems all things, not just some people's things, not just the worst things, but like every everything in life uh, comes under the redemption of God. And I was thinking as I was preparing for the interview this morning actually about the series that we've been going through, and this isn't specifically a part of the series that we've been in, but we've been talking about failure 
the Faces of Failure is the series that we've been uh, in for the past few weeks. And the thing that struck me is that all of us fail (laughs) Uh, because failure is a part of every single one of our stories. It's not failure that defines us, but it's our response to failure that defines us. And this phrase popped into my head as I was thinking about this week, and it was, failure doesn't have the final word. So yes, we all fail. We all experience failure. We're all going to fail. We'll fail as children. We'll fail as parents. Uh, But failure doesn't have the final word. Our response, our trust in God, Jesus has the final word. Um, And when we trust in God, which I see as really the... um, the central idea of your story that you've gone through, that we've got to trust in God, we've got to keep trusting in God. 14 years, wow. Like We've got to trust in God, we've got to keep trusting in God, we've got to learn to trust more in God. But that trust isn't put in a, a risky place when we trust in God. It's really reasonable to trust in God because he will always come through. We're trusting in a God who is a redeemer. And um, I really love this this, um, passage in the gospel where Jesus gets up in the synagogue and he picks up the scroll of Isaiah and he reads from Isaiah and he reads this prophecy that's about him. It's talking about who he is and declaring who he is. And so I actually just want to read from Isaiah. um, Chapter 61 is where he read from, and I'm going to read part of chapter 61 here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion, and they shall have everlasting joy. And I think whether we're mothers, it's Mother's Day service, but whether we're mothers or not parents at all, anyone sitting in this room, I think we can be encouraged by the fact that 
we have a God who takes shame and brokenness and failure and turns it into a testimony, turns it into joy and blessing and hope. And I really see that in your testimony of what you've shared uh, with regards to your family today. And that uh, gives me something to hold on to also as a mother, that as I fail as a mother, um, as Jonas fails, that uh, that failure doesn't have the final word, that Jesus has the final word, and it's a word of redemption and hope. So, yeah, thanks so much for sharing with us today, Di. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just going to pray for us. Father, I... I thank you that you are a God of redemption, that we can see that so powerfully through this story. Um, And I thank you for the testimonies we already have in our own lives of the redemption you've done in our hearts, in our families. And God, I want to pray for all of us in this room, any of us in this room who, who may be identifying situations in our lives that need redemption, that we need to continue to put our trust and our hope in you for because we haven't reached the point of being able to uh, share a word like this today. We're still in the middle of, of those situations. God, I pray that you would continue to help us hold on to hope and trust in you. You would continue to strengthen us to walk through our challenges with grace and without judgment, but with peace from you that passes the understanding of our minds, that passes um, what seems reasonable in our circumstances. But God, help us to rest in your peace as we continue to battle in those situations and let our battle be in prayer knowing that you're the one who will bring victory god i thank you that one day those will be testimonies like we've heard today of your victory of your faithfulness of your restoration god i pray that um, you would challenge us to speak out hope and speak out life over one another and sharing our own stories with one another uh, of the redemption that we've seen, reminding ourselves of who you are as God, that we would be a community of believers who encourage one another in your character. Yeah, and God, we want to see more of your transformation in our lives and in the lives of people in this city. So just pray your blessing over us, church, and over everyone here today, and especially the mothers today. Um, Yeah, God, we, we love you. We acknowledge who you are, and we thank you for, we thank you for that, for how beautiful and wonderful you are.
Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.